episode of Strife's Sanctum. My name is Citizen Strife, and this week I'm going to go over kind of a behind-the-scenes kind of look and a, and a reflection on the first year of podcasting, what I hope that comes into the future, and kind of how YouTube and Twitch are also going, starting up a Patreon, and then finishing up with what I look for when I'm trying to come up with content or just come up with things to do, um, why I do the things I do, and just give people a reason as to what I'm choosing to do as a brand and why I consider it a brand rather than just a channel that I'm working on. Um, but we'll start off with why did I create a podcast? Well, on a YouTube space or a Twitch space, you're focusing on an audience. In a YouTube space, you're focusing on the 30 minutes to an hour that you have for that specific setting. If I'm, if I'm doing a thing with Final Fantasy, I'm probably voice acting it. So I don't have a lot of time to explain like my personal thoughts on a game other than just allusions to, oh, I'm liking this, or oh, I hate this, or I've hated this thing about it. Like if you watch me play Persona, I'll bitch about Ryuji all the time, but I can't really dig as to why until I get stuck in a spot and I just stop the gameplay. And I don't like stopping gameplay usually for most reasons, unless I have to make a specific point. So there was that. Um, I would also leave like a short review at the end of a video near the end, like a finale. It would be like five or 10 minutes. And I felt I don't need to do that anymore. Especially with the longer form finales like Yakuza and Persona 5, which were hour long to hour and a half episodes. I'm like, why am I going to spend another 10 minutes trying to review a game rather than just end the thing? And on a Twitch stream, well, what if somebody's talking to me? I can't, you know, shut up what I'm doing. And unless we're on the subject of a game, I can't review a game. So I needed an outlet to review a game. One of the things... Excuse me. One of the things I found early on versus now is that I had a primer set up. I would do like general general thoughts and what it evokes, plot, characters, setting, the battle system. If it's a game or an anime, would be aesthetics. I would suppose um, just general feelings and then positives and negatives. And the positive and negative part was really the big thing for me because. I didn't want to just come onto a, onto a podcast and bitch for half an hour that Final Fantasy XII was not my favorite game. Because everybody knows that. Anybody who's watched me in a stream or a YouTube video knows I hate that game. Or I'm not, like, enthusiastic about it. But why? Why am I not enthusiastic? And I'll spend a few minutes talking about the Final Fantasy problem, or at least what I consider that. You know, that'll be part of the discussion later. But it's like, everybody likes a certain game, but Why? Or, you know, or why am I so hung up on Persona or East games rather than whatever? And then it translated into anime. Why am I a big fan of such and such versus whatever? And I and the more I thought about it, the more that a podcast, a half an hour to 45 minute podcast or even an hour long one would allow me to kind of go over that. But it also gives me a chance to explain things about a setting or about a character or about like there are actors involved that really help sell me on a on an experience because that's what we're doing we're selling an experience and in most cases a lot of these games don't get a lot of publicity and even if they do a lot of the things i see is oh i heard about this game but i've never played it that's exciting 
and and it's a bit of a shame, really. Like I'm playing Dot Hack on a on a Twitch stream as time of recording, and people are buying it based on me playing it, and that's cool. But it's like I wish people had played it before. Not in the why haven't you played this before, but I'm like I kind of wish they had. You know, because it was a great game that I think is underrated. Yakuza was kind of the same way. Like, people don't play those games as much as you would. And, of course, it's a, it's a mainstream society kind of thing. But I also think it's, like, endemic of my stance versus somebody else's. Like, the idea that nobody's played Final Fantasy VII or played a Final Fantasy game before. I find that shocking, and I've said as much. You know, because... As I will express, I am solely into this kind of stuff. So it does feel kind of strange to hear people go, I've never played a Persona game. Should I start with five or four or whatever? You know, a review setup gives me that chance to express why I care about a game or a franchise so much, but also not like harp on a thing just because I didn't like the experience. But at the same time, I've grown to kind of speed through things a little bit more. My initial few episodes, I strictly followed the path. I strictly followed the plot line, and sometimes I do. But I'm able to bounce around a lot more and think through things more as I'm saying them without trailing off. Because that's the worst part is I'm not editing anything. You know me, I hate editing. But I'm also got to be cognizant of when I'm trailing off and starting to not get where I'm going you're costing a lot of time and especially on a YouTube space you're like well time is money and in most cases most people were only going to watch the first five seconds or ten seconds they're not going to trail off but what if they do what if they're watching the whole you know hour and they're like well you're starting to trail off there dude you don't want to do that so I've gotten good at bouncing around knowing what I'm saying as I'm saying it and sometimes overstressing a point, but I I wanted to start a podcast by being analytical without being too critical because there is a difference. If you express why you don't like a thing, you at least have a leg to stand on when it comes to other people, but you also have to understand why other people would like a thing better than you. Um, and I will go over that. And everybody's a different person. And that's sort of the the blessing and a curse of trying to do this on a living scale is like I'm creating content and I'm not always creating the content everybody wants. I'm creating what I want first. And that, again, speaks to what I'm doing because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, don't do something just because somebody else wants the views or the clicks. Do it because you enjoy it because people will know right away if you're doing it because you're faking it. And I've never been one to fake anything. And even on a small scale, as limited success as my stuff has, I think the people that do watch my stuff know that I'm not going to bullshit them about my opinions and whether I like it or not. Or if I'm waffling back and forth, I have a reason for that. Um, why don't I do um, full-on pictures and videos and short-form content? That was one of the things that I saw was, did you want to do visuals or do you want to uh, splice in content? My big thing is I have a neck issue that kind of prevents me from sitting too long. At most, I can sit for an hour, and it's fine, but if it starts going like an hour, 
two hours or if it's extended like i can't stand up and move then i really can't do it people will know on twitch that i'm playing a rhythm game amigo game because i can stand up and talk to chat and move around and stretch it out if i'm putting at a computer looking for footage or splicing stuff or editing stuff especially after creating a video which would be 30 minutes or so without time to stand up well my neck is gonna get hurt I also can't see very well, and that'll go to why I watch dubs. The reason I watch dubbed shows instead of subtitled shows, despite evidence to say that most people watch subtitled, it's because I can't see very well. That's the same reason I do off-screen, off-camera, because I was for a long time being on-camera. But there are two main reasons why... Well, three, actually. Three main reasons why I do off-camera stuff now. One is the footage of the game itself is scrunched up, so I'm not able to read it as well. Two, I'm able to read it better when it's full screen. And three, there's actually less fuss work to set up when I don't have to finagle with a camera or a green screen or a whatever. So that could give me an extra 15 or 20 minutes, and that could end up being an extra episode. Or part of a podcast that I can do without having to set up that level of equipment. And if it means that I'm more comfortable, I would rather do that. I think people get hung up on the visual and the look and the feel that they forget that they have to be comfortable doing a thing first. And if I'm not comfortable doing something, then what am I doing it for? That's why spending an extra 5 to 10 or maybe 15 or 20 hours working on one episode a month of content just for, I don't know, 50 to 100 more views doesn't really strike me as something useful when every week I can spend a few minutes working on a primer in my head because I already have that stuff in my head. I'm thinking through it and I jump on a podcast and I'm done in half an hour. There is something to be said for knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are. And my weakness is doing extra work that I think is too much of a hassle. Do I think it would be beneficial to do that? Yes. But I also think that there is a timing issue. And I think a lot of people forget that if you want to push yourself and do that stuff, that's great. But there also has to be a value proposition in there too. I do not think that the value of doing a 10-minute um, edited video is going to get you more than 45 minutes of a podcast when a 45-minute podcast takes less work takes less intensive work gives you more to work with because you're thinking through yeah in a youtube space 25 minutes is going to look better than a 45 minute thing i absolutely agree when you're looking through a thing do you want to spend 20 minutes looking at a new thing maybe not and then you hear my voice for five seconds you're like nope gone that happens way too much that is something i'm not a fan of but i've gotten used to watch time I, I don't watch watch time anymore because it makes me kind of sad and, and depressed. Viewership, though? Views are fine because if I will look at a view, I can say, okay, a person clicked on my video. And if they watched it for two or three seconds, okay. Or if they watched it for 25 or 30 minutes, awesome. They at least got something out of it. Rather than looking at it and going, this is an hour, I don't want to watch that. The benefit of other episodes lately is I've gotten into the 20 or 30 minutes rather than 40 to 50, and it does make a difference. Unless I'm doing an extended part of a game or something, 20 minutes to do a thing versus 50 minutes to do a thing does make an impact. 
Um, as far as one of my favorite episodes to do, um, the Miku episode, because that is something that I stream. That is something that nobody watches. Uh, you know, when you're doing an RPG thing and then you think of the Miku thing, nobody would watch it. Nobody would care about it. Nobody would think to care. And then it ended up being one of my best performing in terms of viewership. But it also helped that I had the backing of a couple of my favorite viewers that have already worked on these things. There are a couple people who were friends of mine who have done other content regarding Vocaloid stuff. And they gave me a different sense of, well, how does somebody create that stuff? Rather than I'm playing it just to play it and listen to it and have fun. But also because it was probably the most niche thing I've done other than some of the anime reviews, but it still ended up being some of my best performing stuff. I think what frustrated me most was, say, the Bebop live action. Um, a lot of people talk about SEO and following trends and getting more viewership that way, and it does work. I saw a guy get a 1,000 views, which was higher than anything else he'd ever done, following off the Final Fantasy VII uh, presentation about a month ago you know, when they were releasing new footage for Final Fantasy VII. He piggybacked off a stream, and then that became his best video. I piggybacked off some other stuff, and it worked. I'd say Xenoblade, or I think it was Tales of Berseria. I did a Tales of Berseria video before Tales of Arise came out, or during that came out, and it worked. You know, more views than average. But then I would do something like Cowboy Bebop, and the anime video would do so well, but then the live action fucking dead uh ruby i put a lot of effort into understanding the story and the mechanics and the characters and other than re-uploading it i think it died a death which was really frustrating because i liked ruby quite a bit and i thought that would be a bigger deal than it was you can't predict you you can't predict what people are going to watch and you you can't get hung up on it so i have to understand and have understood that you can't predict what anybody wants to watch. You have the trends and you have the things and you have it in your head and whatever. In the end of the day, people decide if they want to click your stuff. People decide if they want to lurk in your channel or chat a lot. So getting hung up on all that bullshit does drive you insane. And to an extent, I'm okay with checking viewership on a sliding scale because I'm on the lower end of things, but I still have to process things as if I'm going to get everybody in the world to watch my stuff. So I can't, you know, drop my guard and not care. Um, as far as reviewing content before, it's a big deal for me. Everything I do is I'm watching a game, or I'm playing a new game, or I'm watching a new anime, or whatever. I'm trying to always come up with something for the next week. And it became a thing where if I give myself an hour, I give myself an hour. If I give myself, ha you know, one episode a day, it's still something I can sink my teeth into and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to work with this later because I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this, but I made an, I made it an entire year doing it this way. And I think it's cool. Um, I'm always thinking, okay, will this work for content? Do I like this enough or do I have enough to work with to say, this is something I was watching and I think you really should watch it or I'm watching this and I'm not really feeling it or am I playing it? My strategy for things really depends on the timing that I have and the access. 
because we live in an era where a lot of stuff is not accessible anymore or it is accessible, but you have to dig deep for things. And most of the time, say Persona 5 Royal or whatever, I played five or ten times. I could do that in my head. I really don't need to review a thing. Like Secret of Mana, I don't need to review a thing. I've played that and it's inherent in my bones. But if there's something about it, like a certain concept that I have, I haven't read up on it. I haven't done it. Or what if there's a game from 20 years ago that nobody has access to, but I can buy, but I'm playing a game right now. Well, we live in a YouTube space. It could seem lazy, I'm I'm sure, but Shadow Hearts, for example. Shadow Hearts, I wa never, I've heard of, didn't play it. I might review it, but I have to dig deeper into it. But to experience it for the first time, I was able to do it via a YouTube setting, a YouTube space. Or if I'm watching an anime, I'm watching on Crunchyroll or something, and it's a new show, I have to watch it and dig deep into it. And if I, if I like it enough, I'll review it. Or if it's an older show... Like Black Lagoon last week, I didn't have to review anything. I just had to get the names and the faces because I tr still try to be accurate because there is a time and a place for accuracy, and it is when you're putting stuff down on paper. If you make a mistake or if you're, I mean, if you're unsure about a thing, cool. But again, I don't get enough criticism or praise that I don't think anybody's really that hung up on what I'm saying in a given moment. That is the one thing I wish I would get more of. And I think the one time I did get it was the Phoenix Wright episode. We were t uh, There was a chatter back and forth about things. I think I do have a few consistent viewers, and that is really nice. But I don't have the constant feedback loop on a YouTube video or a Twitch stream to say what I'm doing is good or bad. Or if people wanted to say so, they would say it's good or bad what I'm doing. So it's always ever-present in my mind, is what I'm doing effective? Or am I just doing it because I've always done it, so I'm always going to do it? One of the criticisms I found was a guy, when I first did a podcast, he took a look at my channel. I mean, he had no views or whatever. He's just some random dork, and he's going, well, you should stick with, you should, you should stick with LPs, lol. I'm like, I don't know if you watch my stuff. But the fact that you spent time to fish out my channel, because the only chance you would have had would have been to look at my channel just to troll me. That's funny. Um, I also remember one time a guy walked into a Twitch stream one time. He had to look for my Miku stream, because there's no other way you would have found it other than searching for it, just to go into my stream. And the only thing he said, your mom. He didn't give any context, didn't say anything. He just left. I guess if it's between not getting anything at all or getting those people, I'd prefer the silence. So it's do what you're doing and not piss anybody off so that nobody gives a shit or have trolls fuck your stuff up and, you know, just make your day a living hell because they're assholes. I don't know. I would prefer the latter because no news is good news sometimes. Much like at work. If you're not making problems for people, then you're in good shape. So, who knows. But as far as the YouTube content goes, I started with the games that I play. And in a YouTube setting, my main goal is to be analytical. Because 
I only have 30 minutes to an hour to do an episode. And sometimes I shut it down to 15 to 20. Um, it will de depend on the thing because are they voice acted cutscenes? Are they, do I have to voice act them? If I voice act them, it might take longer. Who knows? Um, but YouTube has been the space that I've enjoyed the most because on a Twitch stream, you're a you're an active platform. Sometimes the active chat has nothing to do with the game. And a lot of it actually has more to do with the person that you're talking to. And I'm not really that good at it. I wholly admit I am not a just chatting person. I don't talk to people about their things and I don't want people to use me as a soundboard I am not into that which is why anytime I do a just chatting stream I have a game that I've been playing or a game I've been talking about one of the times I would did it was I'm talking about Final Fantasy and only Final Fantasy I'm not here to talk about your stuff it sounds cruel but you can understand what I mean I don't talk to people about their day People don't talk to me about my day. You know, I, I'm not really into that. I process things based on their interests. If I know that a person I know at work has an interest in my, you know, that lines up with mine, they become a friend or they become somebody I talk to. If not, no, I'm not really bothered. That's just how I've been wired. Same thing with Twitch. On Twitch, I can at least say, okay, they're usually a gamer or they're an anime fan or judging by their username or whatever, you know. I can kind of guess, you know, but I'm not going to initiate conversation. So Twitch was always a kind of, eh, for me. But on a YouTube space, I'm alone. So what do I have to do? I have to talk. I have to talk through this game I'm playing and I have to express why I'm building a character a certain way, why the story's doing a certain thing, what voice I'm using for a character, what I have to do for that game, you know, or why I think it's so freaking good, or why I think certain parts of a game might struggle, but then it feeds back into it being better or vice versa. Persona was the same way. It's a feedback loop not a lot of people like. A lot of people don't like the, oh my God, we're doing the visual novel thing. Oh my God, now we're doing the combat thing. Oh my God, now we're doing the social link thing. I love that sort of thing. It's great. That's what I love. So I sat there for 200 episodes and thinking, no, I'm not bored of this at all. <laughs> what drove me nuts was getting through Persona 5 Royal and then remembering that I had to do Persona 5 Strikers and just being like, nah, <laughs> I'll do Persona 5 Strikers some other day because that's another 50-hour game. So that's another 90 to 100 episodes anyway. And I'm like, mm, not right now. But choosing games makes a good choice. And that's why doing stuff like Phoenix Wright, I have to think through, okay, how many hours am I going to spend doing Phoenix Wright? And then judging that based on how long I spent doing Persona 5 Royal, because Persona 5 Royal, seven episodes a week, 200 episodes, seven months. That's a long time, even for RPGs. They're long-term investments. And the benefit is I get them done seven episodes a week and then I can move on with my week but what is the investment the the YouTube algorithm says the first episode is going to be successful and it's going to go down from there and then I've seen some random episodes some of my best performing episodes are some random fuck off episodes of East that 
have no context to the story or just me in a fucking cave somewhere fighting dudes. As opposed to those initial episodes that get more traction, that get more advertising, get more promotion for me. Again, you can't predict what people are going to watch. And then they see the fact that it has the most views. And they're like, well, God, that must be impressive. And then I realize, no. <laughs> like, the main episode for East was just something I found a nun in a cave somewhere. So it had, like, no story content. So it felt really weird that that would be the best performing gaming video. When you contrast that to uh, Boksu or Boksu, I readily admit, my setup is not the most advantageous for YouTube because, again, I don't edit. I don't have, like, the screening background for things. And I I struggle sometimes thinking, is my content good enough? I found out doing it on a, on a Twitch stream and then uploading to YouTube was the best way to do it given my software, given my setup, because I have my main camera and then I dig out my Logitech Brio webcam to show off the actual... Uh, box itself but everybody can see the cords and you can see the ground you can see my legs and you know it's like it's the chintzy look and I always think am I doing it right what if my internet fails on me and it's like an, a minute of dead air and then I look at the performance and I'm thinking okay well there's something to this because three to six like like three to four of those Boksu videos are the best performing videos I've done. So I'm going to keep doing them because they must be getting an audience somewhere despite the fact that they're not the best looking, but they're at least getting an audience. Cause when I'm done with a video, like a gaming video, I don't get traction for shit. So there's something to be said about the Boksu things. And I think those numbers wise, just, just for a reference, the videos I get, four to five views average. The Boxu videos, I've done four of them. They average 50. One of them's at like 85, right? And again, that's a small number, but for my average, for my view count, that's insane. That that can still, you know, whether it's somebody re-watching parts of it or somebody clicking on it for the first time, that's still an extra view that I didn't have to fish for, that I didn't have to get. So whatever is doing is working and I'm really grateful that I chose it because Boxu fits the profile of my channel and I'm able to do it after work and be done in like an hour. And I'm happy with that because again, editing is tough and thinking through things is tough. And I think if all things being equal, if I didn't have to work for a living, I might try to do this a little bit more you know, professionally, whatever a professional YouTuber sounds like. But you have to remember that because I don't have the tolerance for these things and I don't think I get anything out of it monetarily wise, I'm not going to stress over worrying about getting all the views when I don't have to. I'm, I can think about this as a fun thing I'm doing. Same with Twitch. I do Twitch for 15 to 20 hours, whether it's starting up gaming again, which was fun. I got through Final Fantasy X again, and it felt really good because for a while, I started as an RPG guy, but then I broke my neck or strained my neck, and I couldn't sit, and I still kind of can't sit for too long. So I was worried that I can't do RPGs anymore, and I can't do visual novels or whatever. 
but I'm able to do both. So I'm able to do content for YouTube and Twitch, and I'm able to kind of feed them back and forth and do different things. So now the people that watch me for Miku can watch the RPGs, and the people who are watching RPGs can be introduced to Miku, whether that is a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. But now I can say I'm not solely a YouTuber. I'm not solely a Twitch streamer. I'm both. Because what if my internet fails and I don't have anything to work with for that day? Well, I could do more YouTube videos, or I can do a whatever. Or if I'm wanting to stream and the stream works great, I'll focus on my streaming stuff. Because again, I'm doing this for the fun of it, not because I'm going to get paid. But if I do get paid, it would be nice to be paid for it. But I don't expect it to be full-time work, because I get more money in two weeks part-time at my job at LEGO than I've ever made streaming for an entire four years. That, I mean, that sends to reason how little, because you, you see the numbers, and I think remember the hack about six months to a year ago, where only like a very, very minute few partners actually made a living wage. You see the amounts that some of the higher-end streamers or the sponsors give them, and you think, well, I could do that. And then you realize it doesn't really work that way. I've always processed this as a hobby. That's why I don't get hung up on trying to do the best work. I get hung up on doing what's best for me personally, the way I want to do it, and not stressing myself out on anything that I do. But I still have to process it as if it's the biggest thing I want to do because that is how I process everything. I don't enjoy 20 million different cool and different things and varied life things. I like the five or 10 things I do and I do them with intent because just because you do something a certain way doesn't mean you're less intent on doing a thing than somebody else. But you also have to understand that if you're not making money off a thing, if it's not your living, working, breathing ideal, then you don't have to. I think there is that line where YouTubers are make are making this their profession and good on them. They've made it work for them or they're struggling to make it work for them. And God help them. I don't have that in my head because I know viewership-wise and whatever, that's never going to happen. But that doesn't mean that I can't focus on making content either. Because as soon as you start thinking, eh, eh, you know, never think that. If you start going, eh, you, you don't want to do a thing. If you start being in a waffling stage of a thing, rather than actually being an active participant in a thing, you've already kind of said, no, I don't want to do it. And the last thing I want anybody to be is non-committal. That is the one thing I can't stand about people is not committing to the thing that they're going to do, unless they have an extenuating circumstance, like they have family or friends or whatever. And it does cause me some trouble sometimes is... I'm working on this on my own sake. I wish I had more guests and I've been planning more guests and I've wanted to talk to people and do the thing, but it is a lot of hassle to to wrangle a time down and get the get the setup good and then it's like, oh well, I just have to press click and go. You know. Setting up guests, spots and whatever, you know, is endemic of their time because you have to remember people do their thing. Just like a YouTube video or a Twitch stream, you can't force somebody to want to do a thing on your schedule. That is why it is your schedule. And my schedule is I go to work, 
And then I play this, or I watch this, or I work on this thing. Maybe I do two or three other things in my life, but this is what I consider my main hobby. So I'm able to invest a lot of time into it, but I'm also not shortchanging my job in order to do so. This is not my job. If it became a job, I would probably start hating it. And the last thing you want to do is hating what you're doing. So if anything I've been saying so far is I don't hate a thing. But I still feel I do enough investment or I think strongly about what I'm doing that I started up a Patreon. Is it going to get me any money? Probably not. I don't have the backing for that. But what if I do? It's the uncertainty of, well, you never know what one person's going to do. One person might just watch you one time, but they might become a lifelong viewer or a subscriber or, an, or a patron. You never know. That same person could be a friend for life, or they could be a friend for five minutes, or they could watch your footage and be like, now you suck. So doing a thing out of fear versus just doing the thing. I decided to do a thing to the best of my ability, and I thought, okay, well, I'm already creating YouTube videos. I'm already creating Twitch. Why not? If it leads somewhere and I have to do an extra video or two a month, that's cool because it gets me to do other things. It gets me to do a retro game again. It gets me to do a randomizer again. Those are little things I could invest in that I know to the best of my ability I can do. So that was something that I felt was strong. Is it going to do anything? Maybe, maybe not. But I felt that based on the amount of content that I do and the intensity with which I do it, without overstressing myself, this is my main hobby, and I enjoy doing it, so I want to keep doing it. And I think that's important, is people understand that everybody's doing it for a different reason, and I think it's important. Um, I went over uh, camera versus off-camera, and... I said before, I've tried webcams, I've tried uh, DSLRs, and I've said before, my vision sucks, so I can't read like a visual novel properly without like scrunching up the screen, and that doesn't really do me very well. Um, but other equipment, um, I've gone through five or ten different microphones, and the one I'm currently on right now is the RE20, and I find it to be the best microphone I've ever used. And I'm, again, I don't like doing a lot of fuss work. But I went from a $25 piece of crap to a $100, you know, Audio-Technica microphone to a $150 Audio-Technica microphone. I've used the Blue Yeti. Um, my main microphone for a while was the Rode Pro, uh, Procaster, $230. Now onto this $500 microphone. And it is a lovely thing. And I tend not to do a lot of fuss work. So an RE20 is exactly what I wanted as far as a podcasting microphone and a um, streamer's microphone because it's really between those two. But everybody has their own use cases. And the benefit was I was in awe of channels like Podcastage where they do those reviews all the time. So it's like I was able to look and hear all those things like Epos Vox, Podcasted, you name it. Like even Alpha Gaming, before I got sick of watching Alpha Gaming, it was like he would review all this content stuff. 
the content creation stuff and it eventually became okay if i'm not going to do anything on camera the least i can do is be a presence on a microphone do i have the best voice for it maybe not but i'm always trying and an extra year of podcasting helps me understand what my voice can do and what my voice can't do and what i want it to do and what i can't allow it to do so my voice is everything to me right now because i'm not on camera in most cases not anymore i'm not but i do think there's something to be said that you understand how to use a microphone where to place it what to use how to how to use it how to put the levels up the one thing i think youtube struggles at is leveling the microphone that's again an editing thing is i wish my stuff sounded louder than it actually is but again this is not being processed this is just raw footage and it still i think comes across very well and again i'm not the most comedic person i'm a more analytical person and i think that comes across in the microphone itself it does what it needs to do it's not trying to boost my voice or boom my voice it's just there to do a good thing and do a good thing very very well because some microphones sound like complete ass and i have the monetary means to make sure that my microphone doesn't sound like complete ass so there we go if i had a better voice that'd be great i think there is that inherent like i wish we had the things we don't have like the super low boomy voice that people have as broadcasters or have the ability to you know change their voice around and do all these crazy sounds and crazy effects but at the same time i think the people at low voices are like i wish i had more expression in my voice but i have the low boominess you know so it's like everybody wishes you know it's like they had long hair like everybody wishes they had hair like sephiroth i guess and then they realize no i wish i was just short or i wish i was just bald you know people inherently want things they don't have you know and they look at the well the grass is always greener i guess so in a way i'm happy with the fact that i've spent three to five years dicking around with microphones and finding one that fits what i'm looking for because this is considered one of the best microphones on the planet for the use case that i'm using is it perfect no if i if i could have spent ten thousand dollars on a neumann mic i would have done so I don't have $10,000, but I have at least 500 to use, but I'm good. And I think that's if somebody's else looking for equipment, it's like, well, how much money are you willing to invest in a thing? You know, because at the end of the day, your voice is important. If you're trying to be a content creator, your words, your speech. So every time you get a chance to talk helps. Um, as far as the cameras go, I'm not bothered because i know i have a visual restriction on the thing um schedule wise tuesday thursday friday video recordings i try to do podcasts on wednesdays try to do twitch streams tuesday thursday saturday and sunday and, and that's pretty good you know 20 to 30 hours of content creation plus the 20 to 30 uh, 15 to 20 hours of work you know, and then I'm able to do 20 to 30 hours of watching stuff for content to feed into content. You know, I, I think trying to focus on this, I said before, as a job, well, the issue runs into what if you're running late? 
What if you want to get a workout in and you can't get a workout in? What if you have a busy schedule and you got to stay at work? What if you want to go shopping? What if you want to do tons of things? But then no, you don't have time to do that. If you do any one thing way too much, it's going to take away from other things. So I've prioritized a good enough work-life balance that I don't feel like streaming or content creation is a burden to me. That's the beauty of it. If people don't have a work-life balance that suits them, they start stressing themselves out. And I'll give you an example. Before I quit GNC, I was working there you know, as a second or third job, but then they had nobody else on staff, so I had to work eight to five or nine to five for an entire week. I had no time to be doing anything else that I wanted to do. I would go home and have about an hour to watch TV or do you know, YouTube footage, and now it's like, No, I have my old schedule back, if not even better, because I'm not stressed out about money because I'm one of the lucky ones that can do that. If that's not you, that's fine. No one person has the same interests or the same needs, the same goals, and I think that's important. But you also have to say what your goal is for you and what you prioritize as yourself. You prioritize having a family and having kids. You put that first. If you prioritize just living your life and having fun with your life, do that first. Don't look into a new thing until you know, okay, I can put an hour to two hours to 10 hours or whatever into that new hobby or new skill or new workout regimen until you can effectively say to yourself, this is what I'm going to add to my life. Because as I've said before, if you are not committed to a thing 100%, then you're not committed to it at all. But you also have to understand there are certain times where you just can't do a thing. But if you're waffling back and forth on whether a thing is a good idea or not, you've already kind of failed. And if I've said anything so far, it's that I'm, I have no tolerance for somebody who's not invested in a thing to the point where I can tell that they're invested in a thing. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just how I grew up. But I think if you were going to go to a job, you were invested in that job. If you were invested just solely for the paycheck, cool. You're still invested in doing the best you can for that job. If you're invested in going to college to learn a skill and go off on a career, you're doing that. If you want to be a a parent, well, you got to put them first. You can't put yourself first. You know, those are things you have to do. And I think that's comes across if nothing else is that I am committed to doing the things that I say I'm going to do to whatever degree that I'm going to do them um but we'll go a little bit off a different path here and finish up with kind of likes and dislikes um why why am I doing Japanese content I, I think I've said this before but 1997, my mom walks into um, my room once, and I'm like 12, 13 years old or whatever, and she goes, hey, I'm willing to get you a new game console, a PlayStation. What game do you want? And it was between something like Kingsfield 2 and Final Fantasy 7. And I said, Final Fantasy 7, because I'd played Final Fantasy 4 and 6 off and on in my my, uh, brother's friend's place. My brother and I spent five months after school just going through Final Fantasy VII that first time. 
And then we would play Final Fantasy VIII together. And I think eventually I just grew into, hey, I'm playing Star Ocean. I'm playing Final Fantasy IX and Ten over at my friends and whatever. And later on, I got into anime around the same amount of time. So I kind of just veered into those directions. And around the time I went off into my own and started living out on my own in my 20s, Persona started coming out. And then eventually it became, well, I'm not even watching like American content. I'm watching movies and I'm watching sports still, but I'm not really paying attention to the new hot show that's coming out. You know, I'm not watching Breaking Bad. I'm not watching Game of Thrones. I'm not watching name whatever fucking American sitcom or whatever. I'm watching anime, right? I'm playing these Japanese games. I'm playing these visual novels. And, you know, it just became a thing where I'm invested in the Japanese culture from an outside perspective. And I'm not using that, that weeboo term, weeb term, otaku term. I hate those. I honestly hate those. I think it, it's the way you process how you come across. Um, you can be engaged in a conversation without coming off as a bit of a creep. And a little bit of a, you know, because you personally have to advertise yourself as a person and as a brand. And the sooner you become a little bit of a kind of unnerving about your fandom, it becomes a bit much. And it's the same if you're a if you're a sports fan. They call them fanatics for a reason. Churchgoers, if they're too invested and devout in their faith, they come across as a bit awkward. But if if you're level-headed enough to express why you like a thing, then you can like a thing all you want. I have like 20 Miku posters on my wall. That's a bit much, but I had the time to do it. But it's not saying I don't have Iron Maiden posters, Minnesota sports teams. I don't have other things. Like I have a DDP yoga poster on my wall. I've got a Black Sabbath poster, you know, stuff like that. I don't process these things that they're the only thing I do. It's just that they are the things that I watch and I enjoy them the most. So you can watch things from a different culture. And if that's what speaks to you, that's what speaks to you. So I focused on those Final Fantasy games, the Star Ocean games, the Atelier games, Persona games. That's what I play. I don't play Assassin's Creed. I don't play Resident Evil. I don't play, you know, Elden Ring, despite, you know, those a couple of those two being Japanese games. But, you know, I did play Mega Man, Donkey Kong. I didn't really play Metroid, but I've gotten into Kirby, you know. But I'm not... You can You can see why... Like I'm on a I'm on a Sony platform or a Nintendo platform. I've played Zelda, Mario, all that stuff. You can kind of tell that I'm not fucking around with stuff that I'm not as invested in. But the benefit of being on YouTube or in Twitch is you can kind of feed into it and understand. Okay, well I'm watching you do it, and I can understand why you would like a thing. But I'm also the type of person that is hyper focused. One issue I have when I'm dealing with other people is that they might be a variety streamer or a variety gamer, and I'm not. So my investment in something is so wholly focused on that genre that that is the thing that I know. My sphere of influence means that that's what I know. Doesn't mean that I don't know what like what The Last of Us is, what the... Uh, 
the from software games are they just aren't things i play i don't play spider-man games despite being a big uh, marvel guy i've never played the spider-man you know the ps4 or ps5 spider-man games they're just not what i do it does come with its issues though viewership being one of them more people are going to watch a thing about spider-man than they're going to watch a thing about final fantasy that's just how it is but Know what you like and know why you like it without coming off too fanatical. That is the benefit. Um, but I do enjoy randomizers. I like the idea of not like fucking around with a game to the point where it's always a new experience. Like uh, Legend of Zelda. I love Legend of Zelda randomizers, Final Fantasy randomizers, Chrono Trigger randomizers, that sort of thing. Because I'm still in kind of that retro space. Just enough. Because that's what I grew up... Before Final Fantasy became a thing, I was into Zelda, Donkey Kong, Mario, and whatnot. So I still have that as a backdrop, I think. But, as I've said, I have an interest in an RPG. And what is an RPG? Well, an RPG is you're standing there, you're pressing X, and you, you fight a dude. The old school Final Fantasy 1s to Final Fantasy 10s, you know. Anything that goes against that, well, I'm fine with it. I love mana. I love Tales of, to an extent. I think the Tales games now have better combat than they did before, but everybody swears by the line mechanic. But I think in most cases, the line mechanic doesn't give you enough to work with because it's not quite an action space not quite a, a turn-based space like the old school fantasias or uh symphonias or whatever and tales of had an issue of characters that i wasn't fond of you know that sort of thing but it's also the older i get the more fond of a character like i need a character to get me invested and in most cases darker things and i'll talk about this now because of anime I like the subversive kind of thing. I like the characters that go through dark, weird shit. The uh, playing in Nier or Nier Automata or watching Kino's Journey or Madoka Magica where you go three episodes in and it's, it's a nice bubbly show and okay, okay, now we know what we're doing. The, the something's not quite right with you. That sort of game. Or in the in, in instance of Tales of Berseria, you're playing as the villains of the piece but you're justified in what you're doing, and none of them are happy people, even though you're still playing the bastions of humanity in two or three cases because the other players are assholes, you know, to certain extents. Um, and as I've said, Persona gives me a little bit of that. They're a darker exploration of teenage angst or teenage drama, or they have the whole God issues, like they're dealing with gods. Like I've been, like I'm a big mythology buff or was as a kid. So stuff like Persona kind of speaks to me because, oh, I remember that character or, oh, I've seen that character. Oh, oh shit. That character's di different. You know, I I'm not as big on a battle system, as I am as a battle system feeding into the narrative that you're trying to tell me. And if I think the narrative is good and I think the characters specifically, what they're going through is good, I will give you the characters and give you the story 10 times out of 10 versus giving a shit out of the battle system. I think Final Fantasy VI, it's a terrible battle system. The Espers lets you basically press X to win with Ultima, but 
some of your characters are so good that you can like press bum rush to win press drill or chainsaw to win and then celeste can use his runic and like she becomes useless it's like stealing sucks in most final fantasy games final fantasy 6 kind of sucks from a battle perspective because it's glitchy and dumb and you know but it's fast and it's easy and it gets you where you need to go but it's the character moments celeste going through all the stuff she goes through with Locke in most cases uh, unrequited love that you're not quite sure of the opera scene where they're going back and forth about their feelings um kafka doing all the crazy kafka shit that he does that's what i care about i don't care about your battle system having 50 million mechanics and trying to do the craziest fucking thing and in most cases taking an rpg franchise from that staple having a menu system and then kind of turning it into not quite action RPG, but trying to be an action RPG. Like if you were a Tales game and you're an action-based game or a Star Ocean and you're an action-based franchise or Mana, you started as that. Final Fantasy always wanted to be that, but they spent 10 years not doing that. So there's a mental disconnect for me every single time I play a Final Fantasy game and not really liking it because they're trying to do the Gambit system in 12. They're trying to do the Paradigm Shifts in 13 where you don't really control your characters. You're just giving them rules and shit, which is fine if you have mental feedback of what you're doing, but I can't strategize. I'm kind of in the middle where... If a game is too slow, like a strategy RPG, I can't really focus on it because I'm giving, you have to get everybody in the position and you got to get them all set up. And then you, you know, you spend a lot of time doing that stuff. But if you try to go too fast and you do Final Fantasy 15 or Final Fantasy 7 remake, you're trying to be an action game when your franchise has taught me through 10 years or 10 games that you are press X, you can strategize your next move what is the guy gonna do next is he, you do need to heal do you need to move do you, you know i'm a wait and see approach kind of guy because that's what i was developed on but my biggest issue with say final fantasy now and any game that's going to try and follow in his footsteps not that final fantasy isn't trying to do a thing it's that final fantasy 10 was almost perfect in its design like the battle system was snappy and it had it had sense it had six characters plus kamari specifically designed to kill the thing and your sphere grid was designed to kill the thing you get into a battle boom you're done it's no guesswork but in a staple jrpg turn-based mindset and ever since then, they've kind of gone off in this, we're going to make Final Fantasy for everybody, and we're going to make it for Final Fantasy fans, old and new alike. That's their new tagline, and they've done that since 15, and it really fucking pisses me off, is they put a banner up and they say, for Final Fantasy fans, young and old, I get it. I'm 36 going on 37. I'm not a 15 year old anymore. And if your interpretation of a Final Fantasy game is that you're 15 and you're playing Final Fantasy 7R for the first time, that's great. But Final Fantasy has always changed. And it sucks because they never have the same people doing the same franchise anymore. 
for the first 10 games, it was Sakaguchi, Katase, you know, Uematsu, the same guys doing the same thing. Subtle changes to the formula here and there, and they changed it and made it more visually splendorized and whatever. That's cool. Because I know when I'm booting up Final Fantasy X, it's not quite like nine is, but it's still a lot like the games I played before. Now, because they take four to five years to develop a game, I sit there and I go, okay, not only is it an action-based game, but what kind of action is it now? Is it a Gambit system? Have I played another Gambit system game since? No, because that's all they did. They took the Gambit system away rather than redefine it and redo it and make, you know, Final Fantasy XIII a Gambit system. They made the paradigm shifting system and then they changed that. And then they turned that into the Warp Strike system in 15. And now they did the Final Fantasy VII-R. Unless you're specifically doing a spinoff, you never know what from one game or the next what Final Fantasy battle system is going to be. You just know it's going to be for Final Fantasy fans, young and old. If you're going to change something, give it like three to four games so that we can kind of invest in, okay, well, Castlevania went from a platformer to an action RPG platformer, you know, a Metroidvania style platformer, and then it became the default. If you're going to change something, do what Yakuza did. They spent seven to ten games doing the brawler system, and then they decided to turn it into a JRPG. But they're going to keep doing a JRPG until it works. Or at least give it, like, three games like Resident Evil does. Resident Evil kind of goes in the same direction all the time until they decide to change the formula and they admit to it, they change the formula here and there, but then they still give you like three or four games to get you invested into the formula before they change it. What f frustrates me about Final Fantasy is they try to do the Sonic thing. Sonic has been chasing this weird ass, like, it's gotta go fast, but what way does it go fast? They tinker with the system every time. And... I don't think people give Final Fantasy enough shit for changing their stuff all the time. And I got into this conversation and argument with a guy who loves the artistic expression of changing it up all the time. And that's fine. But if you're always constantly changing, then what are you? There's the brand name. But if the brand is always changing and the name is always changing and you don't know what... Like if you get a fan for a Final Fantasy X game... You want another Final Fantasy X game. Or if you're going to change it, you're going to want it. Oh, but it's not quite different. But Final Fantasy X is not Final Fantasy XII and thirteen. It's almost like music. And this was my argument. Was Final Fantasy X was Metallica's And Justice for All or Black Album or whatever. It worked for almost everybody pick it up and play it's super accessible works great and then final fantasy 12 comes out five or six years later it's load some people like it a lot of us it's not metal anymore load is a rock and country album that has nothing to do with what they did for four to five albums of we're we're thrash we're this we're this we're this we're this your name is metallica you're playing country music I mean, that's fine, but you don't sit there and think it's going to piss some people off. Yeah, maybe that's ardent. But when I look at a band name, 
I want it to be a motorhead kind of example or an ACDC where you know right off the handle what what you're kind of in the mood for. Even Ozzy, for an extended period of time, was always fucking around with the formula, but it still felt like a metal record or a pop metal record. I didn't have to finagle it and think, okay, he's playing a fucking country song now. Nope. So Final Fantasy is doing what Sonic is doing. They're constantly changing what it means to be a Sonic game without looking at the fan base and going, sure. Some people are idiots about that. Some people are assholes about the way they process wanting to be a fan of something. I get that. But then you look at the critical success of Sonic Mania and you think, just play those. Why don't you just make those? Like Sonic Generations was good. Why don't you just make three to four more of those games instead of doing Sonic Lost World? Is this thing? It looks like Super Mario. Wor- it looks like Super Mario Galaxy. Then, um, then it becomes Sonic Boom, and we saw how Sonic Boom was. We saw now Sonic Frontiers and Sonic Origins. It's like people just want Sonic to go fast in a two D space. By and large, I get the idea that you want to get all of the money. But if you annoy your fan base to the point where they don't trust what you're doing, then there's also that risk. So that's why I'm so harping on like 12 and 13. Not because they're bad games, but because they have Final Fantasy in their name now. Instead of, it's Final Fantasy Strangers of Paradise. It's a spinoff. Okay, fine. I don't have to care. They took their turn-based stuff and turned it into Bravely Default. And then they didn't like say, okay, well, Final Fantasy was a turn-based game for 10 years, but now we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to do it because we don't think that's going to work with our space. And then the guy says, well, it doesn't look like it does. And it, it, it looks weird if you don't have a turn-based, if you have a turn-based game looking like the games we do. Says who? Yakuza didn't have that problem. Persona didn't have that problem. Dragon Quest doesn't have that problem. Final Fantasy could have stayed a turn-based franchise and sold because it's Final Fantasy without having the backdrop of having, you know, maybe a minority of people like myself, but still that, like, ever-growing uncertainty of that issue. So it's a brand. It's like saying, okay, I'm going to play JRPGs for 20 years and hopefully that's what you come to see. And then I play Among Us. I might get more views out of it, but... What about the people that came to me watching JRPGs? I'm not playing Among Us. <laughs> it's like, you have to stay within a certain comfort zone because you've built that into your brand. As soon as you start making it an uncertainty, you don't know what you're going to do. So I, I wanted to get that across because I think if you're going to be a thing... You're going to make subtle quality of life adjustments to the thing before constantly ditching the formula over and over. Um, And last thing I do want to mention is um, the anime stuff, because I'm not just a gamer. Um, As I said before, I I do only watch dubs because of my vision level. My vision is uh, 20 over 400 in my right eye, 20 over 200 in my left. And I don't even know if that's still stable anymore. But that was when I was first diagnosed as legally blind. So I can't really sit down and watch subs without kind of squinting at the screen. I can still do it, but I'm it's not comfortable. 
So the frustration of, oh my God, dubs are dumb. Why are you watching dubs? Why are you talking about dubs all the time? It's because that's what I'm left with. But then I had somebody criticize me as going, oh, I'm so sorry for you that you can only watch dubs. I'm like, that's fucking pathetic that they would even go that far even for a joke. Because dub actors are actors. They say as much. They are actors. They're doing a thing. Are they cartoon actors? Not really. They're not American cartoon actors because it's a different type of acting. I think it does a disservice to a certain genre. You don't see me bitching about subs on the opposite frames. Like, no, the subs don't do the justice, the actual sub actors, because I have no frame of reference. But everybody, on the, again, it's a small minority of people just causing a storm and saying oh you're watching dubbed well fuck you it's like if you want to watch subbed watch subbed if you want to watch dubbed watch dubbed on my case on my channel on my stuff it's going to be in english because i listen in english i watch in english it's easier for me to do that um but as far as like what shows i do enjoy um i was a big believer in bebop you know pulpy action shows crime drama stuff like that black lagoon gangsta those all kind of fit the same mold of the dark stuff, like Gungrave, Trigun, stuff like that. And Trigun's a little more comedic, but it still has darker moments and edgier moments, stuff like that. But what I've really done, and I said this before, was the darker subversive shit. Like, playing near is a joy. Sometimes I'm not always in the mood for that sort of thing, but near was unsettling. You know, anime was Anime that's unsettling, Kino's Journey. The guy who created Nier said he watched Kino's Journey before making it, and it got him in the right headspace. Sure fucking did. Um, because there's always the sense that nothing's right, that these people are kind of off-kilter somehow, and that's kind of the vibe. They're darker. They're dystopic. They're just kind of like offbeat. You know, that sort of thing speaks to me, especially the older I get. But I still have a fondness for stuff like comedies. You know, I, I'm okay with comedies because you get something like Spy X Family, which gives you that darker, pulpier action stuff on occasion, but is focused solely on the character drama and comedy. And it ended up becoming one of my favorites, if not my absolute favorite, when I got finished with the first season. So I definitely want to talk about Spy X Family. Konosuba meta comedy because it's making fun of the isekai trope because there's too many fucking isekai tropes the other world tropes everything's a video game everything's a new world you know that's fucking ridiculous ever since sword art online became a thing every show's been a default isekai for better or for worse it sometimes it works like konosuba but that's because they're making a fucking joke out of it but then you get stuff it's just, I'm in another world because I'm in another world. Give it. You know, it's like, do we really need another? It's it's replaced the high school or the mech shows. Not that I'm a big fan of high schools or mech shows, but it's just like, everything has to be an isekai because Sword Art Online did it. Or everything has to be, um, here's another issue I have, is fan service. Everything has to have a harem or everything has to have a fan service element. You want to know what the best harem show was? It was Rumbling Hearts. Because it was a romance show about a girl who fell into a coma. And his love of his life basically becomes comatose for years. And it becomes a weird thing. Again, darker shit. 
darker subject matter and how you process, oh my God, you caused somebody to have an accident. Now you have somebody else becoming their, you know, becoming their girlfriend. How do you process that? It's a weird, like darker version of that kind of show. It's a show that you've seen a million times, but they do it in a darker, much more mature setting. So I'm not into the same stuff as I used to be, I think. Because the older I get, the more I'm into the darker, subversive stuff. Um, I'm also never going to talk about One Piece or Naruto or Bleach or whatever. You know, the super staples. You know, the big three or big four. You know, My Hero Academia. You know why? Because there are hundreds of episodes or thousands of episodes of manga. You know, and it's like... Some shows are a thousand episodes. Like, I'm not that invested. When you consider that most anime these days are 12 episodes if they're lucky, 24 episodes if they're lucky, some of the better ones get to 50 or to 100. That's fine. After I got done watching Inuyasha and Ranma half, I'm not going to watch fucking One Piece because that's a thousand episodes. I got done watching a hundred episodes of uh, Detective Conan because they were dubbed. But then you have to remember there's like 20 movies. There's a thousand episodes. How am I going to find the time to do that? So it just becomes a like <laughs> weigh your options, man. Not that I wouldn't enjoy it, but I think that it's way too much stuff to get into for any one thing to do a thousand episodes of one thing. There's not enough time in one's day. Um, but more power to the people who do, I think. The other thing is just fan service in general or the ones that rely on fan service and the games do the same thing too. If your selling point is, oh my God, look, anime titties. That's what porn is for. Give me a story. If you're going to do it, then you have to be in the right mindset. Like, I'm not saying it's inherently a terrible thing. It's just more of a turnoff because it's gonna be a thing. Like, if your character's solely there to be an ass shot, like, I was watching Final Fantasy X again and seeing how many times they would do um, fan service shots of Riku's ass. I'm like, he's 14, 15 years old. It's kind of creepy. Stop it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to make a show about panty shots. You don't have to make a show about, you know, guys jerking off to whatever you're doing. It's like unofficial porn or uh, official softcore porn, basically. And it's just kind of like a, I've always just kind of been a little leery of that. Fan service, if you have a good concept, can work. But if that's all your show is going to devolve into, then it's just kind of chintzy. And it's the same thing with a game space, too. If all you're doing is, oh, look at the anime titties. Aren't we great? No, you better as fuck have a good battle system or a good game to surround yourself with it. Otherwise, I'm not going to pay attention. Um, but I, th I think at, this, at the end of the day, everything I do has a purpose. Everything I do means what I say it does. And whatever, if anybody enjoys what I enjoy or doesn't enjoy what I enjoy, that's perfectly fine. Everybody's different. If you like a certain thing because you like the competitive aspect or the achievement hunter aspect, I don't. I don't want to compete with myself. I don't want to achieve something. I don't want to fight a super boss. I'm there to learn about a story and learn about a character, and I want to be lost in in a moment. 
and in a game space or a show make me lose myself in their struggle, whether it's a cliched story or not. If it's performed well, I'm usually well invested. And that's where I'm coming from. In trying to create content, I try to create content in the least invasive way possible. So if it's an hour, I mean, I've been here for an hour. I think for the stuff I was doing, this makes sense. This was a special podcast. Um, I don't do the hour-long podcast things much anymore, if at all. Um, I try not to anymore. But I had a lot I wanted to talk about. And I think that's important, is to get all of that stuff out there. And if it comes across in the second year that, hey, I cross 100 subscribers on YouTube, cool. If I don't, that's great. If I ever get another subscriber, that's great. If I get nothing off Patreon, that's great. But the benefit is, the best part is, I tried. You can say, you tried. And if nothing else, you always have to say, I'm going to try a thing. If it doesn't work to my satisfaction, then I will try something else. But I'm going to do the best that I can. And that's all I can do. But that'll do it for me today. I know this was a super long one, but... We'll get back into the swing of things for our normal set of episodes. Next week is going to be a double shot of Castlevania Aria and Dawn of Sorrow. Next episode after that, Spy X Family, Cooler 1. Not Season 1. They specifically cut their episodes into, of Episode Season 1 into two um, 12 or 13 episode Coolers. That's what they call it. So Cooler 1 just finished up in the last month or so, so I definitely want to talk about Spy X Family. After that, Tales of Arise. And I'm super thrilled about Tales of Arise. I think I loved it, and then I... The ending kind of... Bleh. But I do still... I did still enjoy the game almost as much as any Tales game other than Berseria. So it was still a great experience. And then after that, Somali in the Forest Spirit. A short 12 episode anime much in the vein of something like Mushishi or uh, one of those like weird uh, psychedelic um, looking shows that are more about environments and like looking cool instead of ha I mean it has a good story but it's a lot of environmental forest imagery and like crazy visuals and stuff so that that'll be our thing but hope you guys stuck around for the long haul and if you did thank you guys so much if you haven't if you just popped in for a second, still, that's great. I didn't expect to get 50 subs, much less 2 or 3 or 4. I got 50. I got people watching my Boxu videos, which I thought nobody would care about. I got people watching Twitch that I thought nobody would care about. So whether you watch my stuff on Twitch, whether you watch my stuff on YouTube, or you just stick around for these podcasts every week, you're you're giving me a reason to keep doing these because this is for public consumption and it, it is grateful to hear you know if people liking the way I do a thing not liking it as long as you don't you know antagonize me and say oh you're a fucking hack you know it's dumb you know leave that leave that to its own if you don't like my content you you don't have to watch that's perfectly fine I think as long as you have a constructive criticism and say hey would maybe do this instead you know I think that's that's how criticism should be, you know, constructive and informative. And everybody's trying to do their own thing. And I think everybody's trying to do a thing their own way. But at the end of the day, 
is anybody enjoying this content? I think people have proven that to a small extent they are, and it really does make a difference. So if people are enjoying this, I definitely enjoy doing it, and I definitely enjoy the fact that there are people that are there that are invested in what I have to say, whether I'm always right or wrong, or I have a crazy opinion on something. So I'm happy to keep doing this, and I don't know how long I'm going to. It'll That's life, but I do enjoy it, and hopefully you guys enjoy it enough that you'll come back next week. So I'll see you guys next time. Citizen Strive. Signing off.